We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lakers Nation, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers need to talk a little bit about the closing lineup. That's right, not the starting lineup, but the closing lineup today. I want to get into that, plus a little bit of news about, oh, that guy named Kyrie Irving, as though we haven't heard enough about him. Joining me today is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, how are you doing? Doing all right. Yeah, just kind of waiting for this season to start. It's, uh, you know, this is the dog days of August, but it is... It has been quiet for sure. <laughs> well, and it's tough too because all of the trade stuff feels like it's still out there. You know, there's there just there hasn't been a lot of movement. We get some rumors every now and then, kind of some little whispers here and there, but it just doesn't feel like there's that sense of urgency at the moment for any of the teams. Maybe training camp will provide that once that once that starts to come up, but that's end of September. So we could be in for the long haul in terms of this uh, this staring contest that's going on, despite how frustrated it's made NBA fans. Yeah, and I, I think the Lakers are in a particularly rough spot because they're in sort of a desperation mode to make a trade, right. but they can't make a trade until the two bigger dominoes fall in Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. So they're kind of just sitting there like, we need to make a trade, but the only people that will trade with us are not going to trade with us until these trades go down first. It, it, it's a very difficult situation for the Lakers to be in for sure. It really does feel like every single move that we've heard, whether it's the Utah move, the Knicks move, the, the Nets move for Kyrie, these are all held up by other trades that have to happen first with the exception of the Pacers move. That's the only move. Like if Jeannie Buss went to Rob Polinka right now and said, that's it. I can't have Russell Westbrook on this roster for one more day. You need to trade him right now. Indiana is really the only option outside of maybe doing something with the Spurs, but the only one that we've heard some active rumors about it's the Pacers. Every other deal is contingent upon something else happening first. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think there's a reason that the Pacers deal hasn't happened. Uh, It could be because the Pacers are asking for too much or the Lakers are unwilling to do certain things, but it's also because the Pacers deal is probably not their priority and their priority is being held up by other trades. So it's just a matter of waiting. Well, the sense is that the, the priority is Kyrie Irving. You know, this isn't everything, but Phil Handy recently compared Kyrie to Kobe. What do you think about that? 
yeah, I think he said something along the lines of like, if he was six foot six, you'd see a mirror image of Kobe, you know, you know, if we want to talk about like what they do on a basketball court, I don't really see it all that much. I mean, love Phil Handy, but they're decidedly two different players. Um, I think I think Kobe is obviously, you know, a, a you know, eons better defender. Uh, I think, you know, both are tough shot makers, uh, both like that's their claim to fame is they can make tough shots and make them look easy. Um, so they're similar in that vein. But I think, uh, you know. Kyrie's a little more crafty, whereas Kobe's a little more like head of steam, you know, less finesse and more just like pure skill type thing. I, I don't know. They're, they're a little different, but I see the similarity in terms of the tough shot making and the, you know, footwork and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's that's really what it is, I think. But I mean, big picture, you've got a Lakers assistant coach that's comparing yeah. That Phil Handy is comparing Kyrie to Kobe. I mean, that, that's a good sign to begin with, that they hold Kyrie in, in high regard, even if the comparison isn't all that spot on, right? Uh, maybe in terms of yeah. the way they approach the game or whatever. You mentioned the tough shot making. But I think it's just a little bit more. And again, this isn't like concrete, rock solid, hard hitting news here. But it's just a little bit more that we can add to this growing pile of evidence that the Kyrie trade is the number one option for the Lakers and that if they have if they have that on the table, they would do that before a Pacers deal, a Knicks deal, a Jazz deal, a Spurs deal, anything else. Kyrie is option 1A standing alone. Yeah, I think it's probably the only deal in the entire league landscape that they would potentially throw in the second first round pick for. It's I think I think it's the only one they'd even consider doing that. The the, the Pacers deal, the Jazz deal, Knicks, Spurs, I think they wouldn't even touch those if, if the asking price was two firsts. Kyrie is the only one that they'd say, well, okay, right. maybe. Like, let's talk about it. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's the one where you probably say, all right, particularly because, you know, the LeBron factor, right? The LeBron factor matters here, too. If LeBron is saying, hey, you guys get Kyrie, I'm signing that extension, That I think that comes into play here. I don't know if he does that. Maybe he does, but it feels less likely he would put that out there for a Pacers trade or a jazz trade or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, as much as we've gone into, you know, the, the various trade rumors and all of that. What if there's no trade? Let's say no, no trade material, which is possible. I know it's not a pleasant thought for Lakers fans, yeah. but, but it's possible that the Lakers go into the regular season. And again, we still see training camp as potentially maybe a soft deadline for the Lakers to get a deal done. But let's say you go into the season with Russell Westbrook, still on your roster. The Lakers, every offer that's out there is one that would fleece them in a deal. Teams are holding this desperation over them, and the Lakers just can't find a deal that doesn't actively destroy their future or make them worse or whatever. Just nothing is out there. What do you do if you're the Lakers in terms of the closing line? Because we've talked a lot about the starting five and how you know who's going to be in the first five and all that kind of stuff, but it's the closing lineup that typically matters more. You look at last season, I mean, you had guys like, DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore in the starting five, and then sometimes getting leaned upon to close games as well. It took a little while for the Lakers to, well, and I guess it really took the whole season because I don't think they ever really found a consistent closing lineup or even starting lineup. They had, what, no, they 41 did. different starting fives. So in terms of a closing lineup, let's assume, and I know this is wild here, but let's assume LeBron and Anthony Davis are in the closing lineup. Building out from there, you're Darvin Ham. What skill sets are you trying to put alongside them and then let's try to find some players to match those skill sets yeah i think 
you know, you're obviously it's the same thing we've been saying since Anthony Davis was traded to the Lakers. It's it's three point shooting and perimeter defense is kind of what you're looking for. Um, it's it's the formula that won them the championship. It's surround LeBron and AD with three and D wings, and and you pretty much have a have a guaranteed success rate with that. Now, on this roster specifically, there isn't a ton of that to go around, or even really any of that to go no. around. Um, so it's really about maximizing each individual. You know, if this player over here is a really great three point shooter, well then he should be in the lineup. And then you counteract that by putting someone who can't really shoot, but is a, you know, quality, known commodity, good defender. That's kind of what you're looking for is to mix and match to get the closest to three, three and D wings next to LeBron and AD. Who's the best three point shooter on the, in the, on the roster right now with no trade? LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem. So how do yeah. you build out this, this closing lineup, right? If, you're talking about trying to mix a match, which I think you're right. Like, let's say if they were to make a trade, you could take a Buddy Heald and then maybe pair him with, I don't know, I mean, just throw a name out there, Stanley Johnson, something like, you know, a guy yeah. who's more defense first, switchy to combat the lack of three-point shooting of Buddy Heald and vice versa, right? So with the lineup where the roster is set as it is, who are you turning towards? And I guess before we even get to that, is Russell Westbrook in the closing lineup for you? Uh, probably not. Right. Um, and we, I know we know him is going to have, according to reports, he's going to have the power to bench Russell Westbrook, whether it's out of the starting lineup or closing. I'd imagine it would, it would, it would start as benching him out of the closing lineup before he just benches him completely. But you're saying no, no Russ closing the game. I just, I, I think obviously with injuries last year, we never saw a ton of Russ LeBron AD together but I think we got enough to know that in closing moments, it doesn't work. It can work at other points in the game. Mm -hmm. There are times where it did work, but it felt like in the closing moments, it really never worked. And a part of that is Russell Westbrook off the ball is no good. And Russell Westbrook on the ball is, is quite good, but it's worse than LeBron James on the ball. So it's just kind of like, you can't, you can't have them both in a closing lineup together without hampering what you can do in a closing set. Oh, teams will sell out to pack the paint and leave Russell Westbrook. And I'll tell you the, the part that terrifies me because I think that Russell Westbrook gets a little bit too much flack. I think that he's better than what we saw last season. I'm not saying he's a good fit for this roster. He's not. I'm not saying I don't want to see a trade happen. I do want to see a trade happen. I do think the Lakers need to make a move here. But what terrifies me is that teams are going to try to bait him into taking that 15 to 18 foot jumper, particularly late in games by really selling out to stop LeBron, to stop AD, to pack the paint. And they're going to gladly give Westbrook that shot. And Lakers fans are going to be covering their eyes whenever because he's going to take them. I, I think he's going to take those shots because I mean, it's it's hard when you're Russell Westbrook and you've been this guy and you've been the MVP and teams are running away from you when you've got the ball in your hands and you've got a wide open shot and this is your chance to win the game. Uh, that's that's a tough spot to be in. And I don't I don't think the Lakers want to be in that business of Russell Westbrook having the ball and being given the opportunity to shoot that particular shot. Yeah, I think, again, there are times during the game where it can work. 
Um, but I just don't see in a closing moment if, you know, let's say you're down three or down four and you need a, you need a bucket now. Having Russ and LeBron creates a very easy path for the defense to just say, all right, we're putting two, three guys on LeBron and Russ. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. We don't care because you'll either score at the rim, which that doesn't really help if you're down three or four, or you're going to have to shoot a three and good luck. Like <laughs> we're, we're okay with the odds of you may, of you missing that. And that's, that's a really difficult thing to have. So I just don't see a world in which he can consistently close next to LeBron. Is that a problem? Do you think in terms of the, the locker room, what will Russell Westbrook be accepting of that? If, he is benched out of the closing lineup. Crunch time, close game. The Lakers need to go win, and Darvin Ham says, we need to win, so Russ, you're sitting over here. No, I mean, he'll never be okay with that. I think that's not Russell Westbrook's thing. And and look, I don't blame him. He's won. He's like He's done a lot in this league in terms of like putting up numbers and sure. getting to the playoffs. Like he, he has done a ton. He has earned respect. And if he feels he earns a spot in the closing lineup – I don't blame him for that. He's done a lot in this league. But that doesn't make it true this season, and that doesn't make it true on this roster. And I don't know if he's going to be super like receptive of that, which is part of why we are so like adamant that a trade needs to happen because beyond the bad on-court fit, he is not he's not ready to recognize that it's a bad on-court fit and therefore and it's because of him. Like <laughs> that's what he's not ready to recognize. And this is, I mean, this is a whole other discussion on Russ, but this is going to be important for him and his longevity in the league is him understanding this very situation and what's what he needs to do to either make himself an, op- an option to be on the floor or just become accepting of, of only being useful in certain situations for, you know, particularly with this Lakers roster, with the way it's set up, we talked about the lack of three-point shooting. It might be a different story if every player on the floor except for Russ was a 38 to 42% three-point shooter or something like that, then then things look very different. But that's just not the reality of this Lakers roster. They very much did not build this roster for the success of Russell Westbrook. This is not built to make him look good at all. But okay, so I'm, I'm in agreement, though. I'm in agreement with Ron. Russell Westbrook, he's not in my closing lineup. Who is your first choice out of everybody else to be in this this closing line, you know, you've got some new guys coming in. You've got Thomas Bryant. You've got Damian Jones. If you want to go to Biggs, you've got some holdovers on the wings. You've got Stanley Johnson. Uh, you've got Wendy and Gabriel in there. Of course, Austin Reeves, Kendrick Nunn. If he's healthy, should he be an option? What about Lonnie Walker? This guy got the taxpayer mid-level. Juan Toscano Anderson. Uh, uh, I mean, Troy Brown Jr. Taylor Horton Tucker. Who's if you had to pick your first player? Who's going into that closing group? Probably Austin Reeves. Um, I think he's done the most of anyone outside of Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's done the most outside of anyone on the roster to prove that he is a good fit next to LeBron and AD. Um, And I think if we're talking about three and D wings, he's like the closest. He's barely a wing and he's not a super great three-point shooter yet but he's like the closest thing to a three and D like a pure three and D wing on the roster. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I think that's where you start. You have to start there. The other two is where it gets interesting, and I'm we may we didn't really discuss this beforehand. We may completely disagree on this because just there's so many options that are just kind of like whatever that it's kind of like you could go a million different ways with this it's and the, probably not be wrong. It's the grab bag, right? I mean, you could just you could just reach in and do a blind pick of, of some of these guys, and you could wind up accidentally coming up with a a good lineup. Um, I will agree with you on Austin Reeves. I think that he's the kind of guy that just makes. Plays. They don't always sh- uh, show up in the stat sheet. I know people compare him to Alex Caruso a lot. They're not really the same player, but um, I also like him, his versatility as a secondary creator. I think that's important in a closing lineup as well. LeBron gets doubled. He swings the ball out. If it finds the hands of Austin Reeves, you know, if he puts the ball on the floor, he's got the vision he can create. He can get an open look for somebody else as well as find his own shot. So I think those are important qualities, but you're right. Where you go next there could be a lot of different options here. Um, I guess the, the the next thing, though, that we need to, to discuss, that we need to cover, is is Anthony Davis your center? Or is it Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones, one of those guys in there instead, Wenyan Gabriel even at center? I I would need to see. It wouldn't be, for me at least, you you probably disagree. For me, it wouldn't be Damian Jones. Um, or Wenyan Gabriel. He's my guy. Yeah, you know, I'm so sorry. Uh, no, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm with think- you on that. I think I need to see, I think we all need to see like what Thomas Bryant is defensively mm-hmm. um, coming off of the injury. Uh, like what does he look like on defense? I think we know what he is offensively, which is a, a pretty solid stretch big that can be a lob threat, but also can, you know, pull up from 18 feet, even the three point line. Like he can do that. He has the versatility on offense. I think what we're waiting to see is sort of what he looks like you know, with his lateral quickness on defense and his rim protection, can he provide that? Um, can he, you know, step out and guard a, a wing for, you know, a few seconds before some help comes? Like, can he provide that? If his athleticism is what it was pre-injury and there's been no drop-off and he's just that same guy, I think there's an argument that he might be a good fit in that in that closing lineup. But it's kind of an unknown right now. So he's sort of a question mark there. Uh, if he is his best self, you know, what he was when he first got to Washington, uh, if he's his best self, I, I put him in that closing lineup. But if he's not, which it's very possible, then I then I just couldn't. I'm operating under the assumption that Anthony Davis is the five because that's what we've historically seen work in, in crunch time until Thomas Bryant proves me otherwise. Even though Damian Jones is my guy, I agree. I think you want the floor spacing. I think to close the game, you want as much versatility to deal with any situation as possible you want the guys on the floor to be as switchy as possible to be as adaptable as possible on the offensive end and I'm not sure that Thomas Bryant provides you that I think as a big he provides more of it 
than than Damian yeah. Jones does because of yeah. his ability to potentially be a floor spacer. Um, but until we see it, I'm rolling with AD at the five in, in my yeah, closing yeah. five. Until until Thomas Bryant can prove, whether that's in the starting lineup or in whatever rotational minutes he's for sure getting, if he can prove that he is as versatile defensively as he is offensively, uh, yeah, until he proves it, AD has to be the five. So, uh, yeah, I completely agree there. It's just he's 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 the only question mark where it's like he could be in the closing lineup or he could not be depending on which type, which version of him we're getting. Okay, so we've got AD at the five. You've got yep. LeBron, assuming he's the four. Austin Reeves is in there. You could run him. You could slot him anywhere one through three, I, I believe. I, I think this we get a little bit too locked into positions here. But who else are you putting on the floor with that group? My next my next pick is probably Juan Toscano-Anderson. Okay. Um, I think, again, we're talking about three and D-wings. He's, like, close-ish. <laughs> like, yeah. He's, uh, like, three and D-wing adjacent. Inexperienced. Um, yeah, he he's um, you know, he's he's a solid defender. I think he um, like he can provide you a lot in terms of help defense. He's not super great point of attack defender, but he, he can provide you something uh, on the perimeter. There, he's like a you know below average to to mediocre three point shooter, and he's of wing size. Um, and I think that he's a little undersized, but he's of wing size. You know, he's bigger than Austin Reeves, six six. So, yeah, so that's kind of where I would go next in in terms of trying to fill out this archetype. Uh, that's probably the next closest on the roster. Again, it's not perfect, but like we said, there is no perfect. It's a grab bag. Six six shoots thirty six percent from three for his career, just thirty two percent last season though. But that was a small sample size uh, situation there. I'm I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, I I think Juan Toscano Anderson makes a lot of sense. I like. His slashing ability, I think that can be important, particularly when teams start to really pay attention to LeBron, pay attention to Anthony Davis. They're really selling out and stopping those guys. I would trust Juan Toscano-Anderson, probably ahead of just about anybody on this team, to recognize the appropriate time and place to make a cut to the basket to free himself open for a look. I've seen him do that quite a bit. And I also trust that you know LeBron would put the pass on the money and would find him in those situations. I think defensively, the switchability is important. Uh, he's only played three seasons in the NBA, but again, 29 years old. This is a guy who's got experience playing basketball at high levels. Uh, it, it's weird to say because there's guys that are, you know, coming back from last year and everything that I like a lot too, but I do think Juan Toscano Anderson is also in my group, but who rounds out your, your roster next? This is where we may differ. <laughs> it's honestly hard to say like, again, okay. So, Thomas Bryant, like, if he is the right at the beginning of when he got to Washington, that first, like, half yeah. season in Washington, if he's that guy, that he's in this spot. I don't believe he'll be that guy, at least not right away. So I'm taking him out, and <laughs> I'm taking the gamble on Lonnie Walker. Oh, okay. I'm taking the gamble on him in this fifth spot. But again, I like... I don't like any of my options. Like <laughs> I don't like any of the options here. So I'm just, I'm putting the gamble on Lonnie Walker and his athleticism and hoping that eventually under Darvin Ham and with LeBron and AD and playing at higher stakes, he, he like can morph himself into like a league average defender. Um, and from there you just hope, you know, the three point shooting can be something. 
uh, I, I think I'd, I'm taking the gamble on him uh, and hoping that he just naturally improves playing for with higher stakes next to better players. I think that's an interesting pick. You know, the defensive, he's a guy where the defensive concerns, particularly with the Spurs, with Popovich, he's talked about how he's going to bring defense to this team. Spurs fans had a hearty chuckle at that. Yes. But we did too. We did too. To be fair. Yeah, when we did too. Look, you, you look at all of his advanced metrics and they, they say, look, this guy's not a good defender. Uh, I think he's got a ton of bounce. He is athletic as hell. This is a guy who can do a lot of things for you, slash into the basket. But I'm concerned about getting stops and then getting easier buckets in transition. That's what I'm focusing on here uh, for my closing lineup. So I'm not going to put Lonnie Walker in my closing lineup until I see that he can get it done on the defensive end of the floor. And we need to know that his three-point shooting is somewhere better than it was last season. He was, what, 31% last season? Got to be better than that. Uh, I My guess, my, and this is just a guess here, but we've seen him shoot close to 40% from three previously, even if it was on small sample size. I think he's going to settle in somewhere around 35 36%. I think last season was a bit low for him. I do believe he's a better three-point shooter than that. But, but I'm not going to go Lonnie Walker, which maybe is – Kind of damning considering he is the taxpayer mid-level exception for the like the, the guy they could spend more on than anybody else, and yet he's not on the floor to close games for me. Ron, you give him the nod, which I think is I think your pick there is probably more closer to reality than what I'm gonna go to because of the cash, because of how much he's being paid. He's being paid to be that guy. Um, which brings us to another discussion in just a moment here that we're gonna get to in terms of how much money is going to a specific player. But I'm going to go back to Stanley Johnson. I'm going to go Stanley Johnson. You know, some of the advanced metrics from last season showed pretty well with Stanley Johnson on the floor with LeBron, with Austin Reeves, with AD, these guys together. He's not a reliable three-point shooter, but he's big, he's physical, he's strong, he's switchy. He can occasionally knock in that corner three, and I'm going to buy that he can at least get a few percentage points higher from three and be a threat there. So I like the just overall, the size, the physicality, and the switchiness of this team defensively if I've got Stanley Johnson out there along with Juan Toscano-Anderson, Austin Reeves. Now you can say there's not a lot of scoring on there. That's fair. Lonnie Walker certainly provides more scoring punch than these guys do. Realistically, if there's a trade, obviously those players or that player would be in this group. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to sell out on the defensive side of the ball here and do what I can to try to force turnovers, try to get stops, and then create easier scoring opportunities that way. So that's how I would approach it. I would go with Stanley Johnson. I feel like Stanley Johnson is getting underrated right now. I'm seeing him pushed way down on depth charts. I'm seeing people just kind of dismiss him. And I thought he was pretty good last season based on what the Lakers had to offer and what in the minutes that they got. So I'm going to go back with him, still a young player. I think he's going to show up to camp and be a bit better even than what we saw last season, particularly if the jumper comes around. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't think it's a bad option. I think Stanley Johnson absolutely can show improvement. I I I think it also depends on what is the closing situation. Um, are you maintaining a five point lead or are you coming back from down six? Like what 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 is the more vital skill? I think again, if you're trying to like hold on to for dear life to a six point lead with three minutes left, Stanley Johnson's probably your guy because he's going to get more stops, he's gonna put more pressure than Lonnie Walker ever would. Uh, even if Lonnie Walker shows like a huge leap defensively, he won't be what Stanley Johnson is. Um, so I think that's a situation there. But if you need a scoring punch, if you're you know down five with a minute and a half left, 
Uh, I think Lonnie Walker is, is more your guy there, but it's, again, this is one of those things like it's situation. We're, we're, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. It's it, for the fifth man in this lineup because we know it can't be Russ. How bad, like, how bad is that? We're scraping the bottom of the barrel for a fifth play. We're not scraping. It's not like we're scraping the bottom, bottom of the barrel to find a 10th rotation player. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel to find the fifth guy in the closing lineup. That worries me, Ron. Yeah. I, That's concerning. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not great. Um, I think you'd, you'd much rather be in a situation. I mean, what, when we were in the, you know, in the championship season, we were going into the bubble. Avery Bradley says, oh, I'm not going, I'm not going to the bubble. And we're talking about closing lineups and it feels like, oh man, they could go like eight different ways here. Like, yeah, yeah you have LeBron and AD and then you could go Danny Green, Alex Caruso. You could go, you could go bigger here with this guy. Like you, you had so many options <laughs> and like you KCP, you have all these options and you're like, wow, this is really great. You could make something here. And now it's just like, well, we have two for sure one kind of for sure and then we're just gambling like we're gambling and so that's i think that's why everyone is obviously saying i think even the lakers are probably internally saying we have to make a trade yeah because there needs to be someone coming in who can be reliable in a closing lineup outside of lebron and ad yeah realistically any of these trades that we discussed at least one of those players is going to be obviously if it's Kyrie, like he's definitely in there if you wind up with joe harris in that deal he's in there too uh, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, you could argue both of them would be in the closing lineup. We can talk Turner and, you know, does AD just play the five and, you know, whatever. That's a whole other discussion. But most likely those guys are on the floor to close. Uh, a jazz deal, if you have Patrick Beverly, Boyan Bogdanovich, they're on the floor to close. Like that's what we're talking about adding as guys who can close out games for you. Um, and this is part of why I agree. I think the Lakers do need to figure out a way to make something happen here. But this all begs the question. Like you went with Lonnie Walker, who's what six million dollars and change, got that taxpayer mid level. I went with Stanley Johnson, who is considerably less than that in terms of salary. Austin Reeves, considerably less than that in terms of salary. Uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, considerably less. Based on the money, if Russell Westbrook's not on the floor, based on how much the Lakers are paying guys to perform, the lineup, it should be LeBron AD. Kendrick Nunn, Lonnie Walker, and Taylor Horton Tucker. That's what the money says. And yet Taylor Horton Tucker wasn't even a thought in my mind to close out this, this thing. Uh, let's start there. Was THT in consideration at all for you? No. Uh, I like, look, THT, I, I don't, I don't think he's like a lost cause. I think he can still mm -hmm. be a fine player. Right. But like for all the reasons not for all the reasons. For most of the reasons, I don't trust Russell Westbrook next to LeBron in a closing lineup. I don't trust Taylor Horton Tucker. He can't shoot the three. It's not reliable. Maybe it gets better, but he's not reliable. Uh, he's still a little turnover prone. He's still a little mistake prone when he's when he's driving to the basket. Even though he is he is very good around the rim, he's very strong in that area of his game. He still is a bit turnover and mistake prone there. Defensively, he's solid as a point of attack defender because of his length but he's not great uh on the help side of things like i i just i don't trust him as a fit next to lebron for a lot of the same reasons i don't trust russ as a fit next to lebron so the money the money talks and really what the money is saying is they've spent their money poorly like <laughs> that's and that's that's what i'm getting at here yeah i mean and, and important look this is painful but 
if they picked Alex Caruso, he's an automatic in this closing lineup, right? Yeah, I mean, he's Easy. an automatic. He's a 35-minute-a-night guy on this team. Yep. yep, and yet Taylor Horton Tucker, and again, I, I see the upside here. I'm not saying I'm not saying I hate Taylor Horton Tucker. I'm not saying he's terrible. I think there's plenty of upside. I just think fit-wise, it doesn't make sense to put him on the floor. It's also why I've been saying that I don't want Russ and THT together. If you're going to keep Russ, you might as well trade THT because you can't really play the two of them together and it creates too many complications there. Even if you are still bought into the upside of Taylor Horton Tucker, you're doing him a disservice by putting him on the floor with Russell Westbrook because of the issues that you create, the duplication of weaknesses that you have between those two players. But then you go to the next guy. Why, why did you not go with, with Kendrick Nunn? Um. Kendrick Nunn is an interesting option. I, I did think about him between him and Lonnie Walker is kind of where I was. Uh-huh. Um, but for a similar reason to Thomas Bryant, I need to see what he is now. Yeah. He missed a whole season. I need to see what he is as a player. Um, if he's 2020 Miami Heat Kendrick Nunn, he's he's better than Lonnie Walker and should be in the closing lineup. Um, he's better than Lonnie Walker in almost every facet. If he's yep. 2020 Miami Heat Kendrick Nunn, but I don't know that he is. He hasn't played in a year. And even 2021, when he did play, he was a little bit, he, he had taken a step back a little bit from 2020. So I, I just need to know who I'm getting with Kendrick Nunn before I put him in the closing lineup. That's fair. Put him in that same category as Thomas Bryant, where you could, you could see him skill set wise, he could be a fit in that closing line. Taylor Horton Tucker skill set wise is not a fit. Kendrick Nunn could be, depending on what version of him you get and put him in there with with Thomas Bryant in that category. Yeah, so like in in an ideal world if everyone on this roster is playing their best basketball, yeah. Um well, if Russell Westbrook's playing his best then he's in the closing lineup, but take away Russ. Sure. Um if everyone's playing their best, I think Kendrick Nunn, LeBron, Reeves, AD, Thomas Bryant is a pretty fascinating lineup. Um Yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think it's actually a pretty fascinating lineup that provides pretty much everything you're looking for. It's a little undersized uh on the wings but it provides what you're looking for in terms of a solid mix of scoring and defensive presence. So that's where I would go. But again, the two of them are just such toss-ups given where they are health-wise. Could you imagine if you're, if you're Russell Westbrook and you are not in the starting lineup and the backup point guard is like, that's, that's even worse in my mind, because if you look at say the, the lineups that we built previous to prior to talking about Kendrick Nunn, you could say, well, they just they wanted to go big on the wings, and so they went with with wing players, right? Now you're if Kendrick Nunn is in the mix, you're taking the guy that's playing behind him, presumably not starting, and playing him in crunch time over Russell Westbrook at the same position. That's got to be that much more frustrating for for Russ. I'm just trying to imagine, you know, how this season could go down if Russell Westbrook's on the roster. If that is the reality that we see. That's that's going to make it that much more irritating for for Westbrook. I mean, Kendrick Nunn is is like at his best, at his absolute peak, yeah. which was 2020. He's a better shooter than Russell Westbrook, and he's a better defender than Russell Westbrook. Which, if we're talking about a closing lineup next to LeBron and Anthony Davis, all we're looking at is shooting and and defense. So it, it doesn't matter that Russ is by far a superior ball handler, playmaker. And, you know, score around the rim. It doesn't, none of that matters because in a closing lineup with LeBron and AD, I don't need any of that. I need three-point shooting and I need defense. And Kendrick Nunn is not a great defender, but he's better than Russell Westbrook. Yep. 
Yeah, that, that's a great way to uh, to sum that up. That's exactly what it comes down to. And man, this, Bron, I think of anything, this exercise, like you said, really just underscores the need to get a trade done because of what we're trying to kind of cobble together into a closing lineup. Yeah, no, it's a little bit, look, a little bit frightening. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. <laughs> and that's, and it, well, the hard thing is that there's a lot of these guys where I look at and I say, you know what? I don't mind, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson, that's a great pickup, right? Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, great. You added on some, uh, we didn't even talk about Troy Brown Jr. He could very easily be into the mix if his shooting does prove to be solid and if he can can defend. He's got the skill set, in theory, to be potentially in this mix as well. And he's not even a guy that, that we talked about. Um, he could very well find himself in the mix. Sure. All of these guys, though, individually you like, but then when you try to put the pieces together, you just go, ooh, this oh yeah is that, really, is that the best we can do is that the right. best lineup we have right now really it's really going to take some guys separating themselves because there it's there's like this kind of it's lebron and ad and then there's this and then you know austin reeves a, a tier below and then you've got this like jumble of players who can all potentially separate themselves from the mix russell westbrook i don't know maybe he's kind of off to the side somewhere i, I don't even know where we, where you put him i don't know what that, the tier list looks like yeah but but they've got this jumble of, of guys, Juan Toscano Anderson and Lonnie Walker and Stanley Johnson and, and Troy Brown Jr. and all these players, THT. I think training camp is going to be really interesting because that's going to be the first opportunity for there to be some kind of separation and for somebody, maybe multiple players, to emerge as the best of the bunch. And, okay, these are the wings that we're looking for. Yeah, and I think Troy Brown Jr., uh, you know, we didn't mention him uh, until, like, the honorable mentions part of our – Right. Of this, of this which thing, maybe isn't fair. It, I, I, I do want to like. No offense to Troy Brown Jr. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. has been for pretty much his entire career a player who's like better in theory than in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea of Troy Brown Jr. has been much better than the result of Troy Brown Jr. And so, if this is the year that in theory turns into result, uh, then yeah, he absolutely could contend for that closing lineup because he is kind of a three and D guard wing esque player. Like he is that, but that's theory. Uh, reality has shown that he's kind of, eh, you know, like kind of not really conducive to winning basketball. Can't you also say that about Lonnie Walker and Stanley Johnson, that the idea I, of them has always yeah. been a little bit better than what they've actually been. I, Man. Definitely about Lonnie and Stanley going back to when he was drafted. I think after about a year and a half or so, everyone gave up on the theory of Stanley Johnson too. Um, Like that didn't take long. Uh, Lonnie, I think is still a in theory better than in practice, but you know what? He's making $6 million. So it's kind of like, I guess I'm going to put him in this thing. Like see what happens. Yep. Yep. Man. Can we just start preseason already? We need, I want to start. I want to get answers to these questions, and I hope if there's some way we can just hit the fast forward button, then we'll know whether or not a trade actually goes down, and we can start really building this thing out. But, but yeah, Ron, again, sum it up. Uh, this, this just underscores that they need a trade. They they need to get something done. Yeah, they they do need to do something, and I believe they will do something. I think it's again this Kevin Durant trade needs to happen. The Donovan Mitchell trade needs to happen before these conversations can really even start. Um, you know, I'm sure the Lakers with all of these teams have had conversations that say, okay, if you make this trade, we'll do this trade. Or if this trade goes down, we'll do this. And I think 
the understanding is there, but like no one can pull the trigger on anything until Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell is traded. It's a lot. And that's in jazz ruining all the fun uh, of, <laughs> of the summer. Well, Ron, thanks so much for, for coming on here and helping me break all this down. This was uh, this was a fun exercise, maybe a little bit frightening exercise too, but <laughs> still good to go through to try to figure out exactly what the Lakers closing lineup can look like. Uh, even if the result is just, yeah, they, they probably need some different players. Yeah, and in typical you and me fashion, we said we were going to try to go about 15 minutes, and we ended up at 38. So Yep, that's the way it goes. That's, that's... the way it goes when we get together and talk basketball. But <laughs> Lakers Nation, thank you so much for, for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring the notification bell. Don't forget to go follow the Lakers Nation podcast as well over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.